0: Hello and welcome to the Season 3 finale of Artist Avenue Podcast. I cannot believe that I'm already rounding up Season 3. Honestly, when starting up this podcast last year, I never imagined that it would grow so fast, but here we are, and to top off this beautiful season, I am joined by the wonderful Jennifer Apple and Elise Melendez, who are the co-founders of Empowered Artists Collective. Empowered Artist Collective, also known as EAC, is a community dedicated to uplifting women and non-binary artists in a supportive space to expand their life and business skills beyond their craft and create a sustainable career in the arts. EAC offerings include an incubator program for an intimate cohort which entails a weekend workshop, community calls, art chairs, panels, and much, much more. The panels are also open to the general EAC community. Before we dive into this beautiful episode, I would like to remind you that due to the current circumstances and the distance between the US and Switzerland, we had to record this episode remotely via Zoom. Therefore, the quality might suffer at points. Nevertheless, please keep listening. As I always say, for a 2021 podcast, it's content over technical quality. So without further ado, enjoy this fabulous episode. Hello, and welcome to Artist Avenue. Yay. Hello.
1: <laughs> Hello.
0: <laughs> so lovely to finally meet you girls. And I'm really super excited to have this chat with you. So let's start off. Tell us who you are, where you're from.
2: <laughs> We're, <like pointing. laughs> We're both Nobody like, can see us.
0: <laughs> yeah, nobody can see
2: us. It's a podcast, but we literally just pointed to each other It's like, you go first.
0: Oh, you
1: go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll go first, whatever. Okay. So my name is Elise Melendez. I am from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Originally, that's where I grew up. It is still where all my family is and where I, you know, where I go back to all the time Um, and spent the first seven months of pandemic there. How far back are we going in our origin story?
0: (laughs) I mean, the next section is once upon a time. So you can combine it and go right back.
1: (laughs) So I uh, started in Green Bay grew up in a family with a mother who was a dancer grew up around music theater grew up around priority of education and arts. And I'm very blessed that that's the world I grew up in. I. Was a classical ballet dancer growing up uh, until I got scoliosis uh, when I was in middle school, and then I started figuring out what more might there be in the dance world, which is when I really fell in love with music theater. Didn't ever think it would be something I would pursue. I actually thought I was going to go to med school uh, until my senior year of high school, <laughs> and I remember one day my father being like, "Are you doing that because you you would be good at it, or are you doing that because that's what you love?" and It was actually theater that I loved. So that is what I pursued. I ended up going to Oklahoma City University first for music. And then I switched to the dance pedagogy program where I uh, fell in love with dance education, with anatomy, made sense, right? This person who wanted to maybe be a doctor blending all of that with the dance world. Uh, And I really fell in love with teaching adults dance that didn't have confidence. So I started like in the, you know, in their opera program with those students. I remember choreographing for this program called operations and working with opera singers on like body and spatial awareness and the the beauty that movement can bring to one's life when we beyond like professional dance. Right. So uh, from there, I moved to New York and I did, uh, you know, the classic, the classic story of the non-equity open calls performing go do a contract come back you know revolving door experience Uh, but when i was in new york i actually ended up uh, starting Motivated Movers. My God, that's like eight years ago now. Um, Motivated Movers is a dance program designed for professional actors who do not have much dance training and do not have uh, the confidence that they need to even navigate a mover call or get through that dance audition in a way that they can showcase who they are as an authentic storyteller, regardless of how many pirouettes or how many people are in the room and how overwhelming the process is. So that became the space that I fell in love with. Didn't anticipate that I wouldn't be performing, but it was teaching. It was being a part of that creative process and um, empowering artists to bring their unique gifts into the space, uh, no matter what the space is asking for. Also dabbled in uh, casting for Hangar Theater and decided I wanted to go get a master's. So I want to got a master's in Chicago in arts management, uh, which is why I'm now in Chicago. And uh, I live part time in the nonprofit world focused on community building. And then my other part of my life is Motivated Movers and now Empowered Artists Collective with Jennifer. And so I'm no longer performing um, dance. And the arts are a part of my everyday life. It's my community, but I'm focused on empowering artists to do to do what they do best, uh, as well as bringing dance back into the narrative so that we're not waiting to dance at a wedding. All beings deserve to dance and find joy in movement, including Jennifer, even though <laughs> <I know. laughs> I've been working on it slowly over the last Hi. six months. So I guess that's, that, that's me. I am, I don't know, from Green Bay, used to perform, started Motivated Movers live in nonprofit and arts world and now i uh have co-founded this beautiful new program that we're going to talk to you about today empowered Arts collective jennifer i
0: love that i love how versatile it all is because it just shows that as an artist you don't have to be like one thing and like even if you do other things right. alongside you're just like you're, you're it's still in you like you're still a creative being even if you like do something else for a bit or like if you branch out into another area so that's wonderful and i love the dancing thing and moving around your bodies
1: yes Yes. <laughs> the power of a silly dance party D- don't underestimate it
2: yeah both well. of those things we talk about and or do like in Imperator's collective all the time we talk about like yeah if you're not performing you're still an artist and also we end on a dance party which as elise was saying is not wasn't my forte but like here we are bringing me into the fold
1: <laughs> adore you <laughs> i know i adore you too
2: um i guess this is my turn Yes. Great. Sure. <laughs> Hi, uh, Jennifer Apple. She/her pronouns. I am a New Yorker through and through. I have bounced around a little bit for you know various educational opportunities and also um, performance opportunities, but New York is is my flesh and blood. I. My, I guess my like origin story isn't particularly exciting. It's pretty like linear in that, you know, I I was singing really young. My parents gave me voice lessons and then eventually I was doing community theater and eventually I was theater camp. And then eventually I was that kid in high school who was acting and then directing and then getting all the solos. And then eventually it was like, you know, you go to undergrad and I was, I majored uh, in theater with an acting and directing double. And then I double minored in creative writing and philosophy. So very liberal arts, but was, you know, in an a cappella group and uh, was uh, directing and acting in main stages and, you know, like the smaller productions and black boxes. And then graduating from there, moved back to New York, did the regional theater, musical theater, mostly circuit. Um, so I I did contracts in Connecticut, Pennsylvania, North Carolina and different places, Kansas, like kind of all over the place. And then I uh, decided to a mentor of mine suggested I apply to get my master's. Never thought I would do it, but then I did. Went to San Francisco for three years, got my master's in acting. Uh, this is like the most abridged version of my life.
1: It's very hard hard to do. (laughs) And then, uh, after that,
2: I moved back to New York with the hopes of staying and venturing more into on camera work, which started, I, I'd been doing a couple of short films. I booked, um, a TV show on, uh, NBC. And then, uh, Simultaneously, I also booked uh, the first national tour of the band's visit, um, and I ended up going around the country with that up until the pandemic. But post my master's, I also uh, started doing, I started teaching. Um, I had one-on-one clients. I specialize um, in I guess abroad where you are is probably different, but like BFA, so, you know, Bachelor of Fine Arts, so for undergrad or BA programs, as well as also MFA programs, so master's programs. And then uh, as I was traveling around the country with the band's visit, I was also doing master classes and workshops and at various universities, programs, theaters around the country. And so when COVID hit, um, my I, my whole world kind of just pivoted to coaching and teaching, which I've loved. And now I really, really love and enjoy. And I feel a very deep purpose in that. But throughout that shift, I really kind of cultivated a lot of uh, different practices with the way in which I teach. And um, I've kind of become this monologue specialist in some capacity where I do this thing called monologue sourcing where, you know, no everybody knows how to find songs, but nobody knows how to find monologues. Very and I true. realized, yeah, completely. And I realized as I was doing, you know, BFA and MFA coaching where people needed monologues, they'd be like, uh, I don't know where to find one. I'd be like, oh, these are perfect for you. And I just like would hand them to these people. I had, I don't know why, but over the course of my life, I guess I hoarded monologues for this purpose, but had no idea then. And they're like, oh my God, this is great. And all these, I had all these monologues sitting at my fingertips. So I do this thing now for regular humans where you literally hire me to find you monologues specifically chosen for you, which has been like a wonderful blessing. Um, I've also, like, I teach uh, breaking down the text, nailing the cold read, uh, this thing called the body scan, Shakespeare, scene study, just kind of really cultivating my own craft. And in that time, I realized that um, while artists are, you know, working on, their crafts. They lack in what I would call life skills. Not that I have them fully fledged out myself, but um, it was like, why are we not teaching these artists how to actually be artists? And what does it mean to be an artist and sustain your artistic abilities beyond just your talent and your craft? And that's kind of where um, I had this idea from Herod Artists Collective. And I imagine we'll be talking about that quite shortly. And the rest of that is history. Um, but that's a little bit about me.
0: I love that. I love how you both have like your own individual things and you're combining it. And I can't wait to hear how did
1: you two meet? (laughs) This is our favorite story because it's not a very clear story. At all. At all. We've
2: actually only met probably a handful of times, like in real life, like actually in real life. Yeah. Um, we've just always had an incredibly, um, like a huge respect for one another and the work that we do. And I've always really admired Elise and her vision and the way in which she exists as a human and just like all of that. But, yeah, I don't know. You can tell this part the- and <laughs> Elise is better at it. We've like
1: the no, our origin story. Okay. so our origin story, this duo, we know that we both were a part of Jen Waldman's studio in New York in our in our early years in this in this industry and we know that we met somehow through that space likely through our mutual friend and dear friend of jennifer's zachary spiegel thank you uh so we know we somehow met in that space it might have actually been like in the online forum like we we're not quite sure i did discover in this past year going through the archives of photos for motivated movers that we had this like community kickoff event when we founded the company, I, I co founded with a, another beautiful soul, Jesse Miller, and Jennifer was there. Uh, I didn't have that memory, but Jennifer was there, which I think shows you that Jennifer has been in my heart a fan. space. A, a fan. fan. I was going to say in my heart space for so before sure. I knew. <laughs> a fan works too. <laughs> so I know she was there. Then my first like vivid memory of. An interaction with Jennifer was uh, Ripley Greer Studios for her was it audition. Ripley? Was it Ripley? Ripley. It was Ripley okay. for an audition for Fiddler on the Roof, in which I wasn't. I, I arrived. There was you know the long the long wall of chairs. I wasn't quite sure why I was there. I was still <laughs> the dancer and uh, um, Irish girl over here, uh, <laughs> navigating the world. And I saw Jennifer's beautiful face and I was terrified and I went and sat next to Jennifer and she was, you know, we, we just talked and supported one another. And I think you helped calm my audition nerves as I was, preparing. Oh. we had like a packet that we had to prepare for that one. So that was my first vivid memory. And then, you know, I moved to Chicago. It's I've actually been now in Chicago longer than I was in New York. I've been here over five years, which is insane. And so when I was in Chicago, Jennifer, when she did the the trek from uh, grad school back to New York, you did like a road trip. And so mm-hmm. you stopped in Chicago and I got to see you, which was such a gift. And like, I think we always supported one another from afar, like she said, like I'm very supportive. I've always found something about Jennifer's energy and her heart to be very, very magical. I've been very drawn to her. So We also, you'll learn are two individuals that really believe in supporting the artists in our community. And that when we lead in a space of support and a space that there's room for everyone, so much more can be accomplished together. So I think that we carried out those values before that, but seeing her in Chicago, I feel like that kind of like re-sparked it. Um, And then when she came through on the band's visit tour, we had just like some incredible time together. I remember being on the rooftop of my company's uh, building you know, looking out like walking at walking chips and like yes, yes walking chips and Chicago skyline and talking about oh. I think we talked about like teaching philosophies and what is the meaning of life secret no one knows and all you know all of those things and I guess that was really you know it it, it our origin story grew over time but it started with a clear respect for one another and a clear energy. And I just love that you've always been there, Jennifer, even when I didn't know it. I think that's a really cool, it goes to show you, you never know. You never know what will happen uh, (laughs) with that one person you met that one time. But Mm -hmm. so that's our origin story as humans. um, But Jennifer tells the origin story of EAC better if we're ready for sure. Uh, yeah, we, it was just the summer of the pandemic and everything had
2: shut down. And I had this like light bulb moment. It was truly the only like source of inspiration that I had the entire time while I was sitting in Netflixing. And, uh, it was, I'm coaching all
0: of these, these
2: kids, young adults, emerging artists, and they are all working on their craft. And then they're all floundering about the fact that they don't know how to like exist. And again, I don't claim to know the answers to this, but I just noticed that this was the thing. And I had this moment of, well, why are we not empowering our young artists in these educational spheres? Why are we not giving them these tools when they're younger? Why did I not receive any of this shit on my own? Whoops you can blub that out.
0: Um, Be an explicit one. It's fine. (laughs)
2: Right. It's fine. It happens when I get impassioned. Oh, well. So I had this moment and I was like, well, something should be done about it. And I had this idea for this program of which the, like the extent of this program, I did not envision what has become and morphed into what this program is, is far beyond what I could have imagined. But I had this small idea. And the only person that I thought of was Elise. Which is so interesting, right? Because it goes back to like, again, we weren't like besties. We never had really extensive time together. But in terms of, I think I knew as a gut energy thing, having had various conversations, also just, you know, watching and admiring from afar, just the way in which she conducts herself and works, like I was like, and also... Maybe I'm a very, I'm a, I'm not a woo woo person, but energy is like a really big thing. And I'm very, I read energy very explicitly. Um, and I think I just knew that it would be a really good balance. And so I reached out and said, I have this idea. And somehow Elise and her wildly busy schedule, uh, said yes. And, uh, here we are. And it started, we like created it and more like launched it in, in like a month (laughs) and then it started.
1: And, and so much has happened. And now yeah. I want to see you in person and hug you.
2: I know it's wild. <laughs> We've I been think... doing all this virtual, it's crazy. Yeah,
1: it, it just shows how like,
0: first of all, I really love the idea that you wanted to like help out emerging artists as well. Like, because it is true. I was in the position, well still am sometimes, but like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Like you come out and I think, especially in the last few years, something just changed and it is a bit harder and it is about like finding support and valuing each other again. So I think that's such a lovely thing that you build up that community and you have that to offer. Mm -hmm. So what would you say like your ethos is if you could
1: put it in like a sentence or two? (laughs) She's, <laughs> as Jennifer points at Elise.
2: <laughs> You're just so much, but be- Elise is much more eloquent than I am. I tend to like be very like, bleh. Like- <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty eloquent, but like, I think when it comes to this type of stuff, I'm always like, Elise.
1: <laughs> All right. So let's see if I can do this. Our desire or the, the impetus for why we started was to ensure that emerging artists had more than what we had to begin their journeys, you know, that's obviously been something that we all relate to wanting them to have the life and business skills that they actually need to thrive. And so Empowered Artists Collective is a community that surrounds emerging artists with support to hold space for ambiguity to build tools, awareness and understanding of what whole artist wellness actually is from financial to mental health. and ultimately gives them a space to thrive in the process of being an artist and bring their world together, an artist and being in one, not just work on the craft. It was not as concise as I normally am, but it's a Saturday and so I'm going to give myself grace. Right.
0: Uh- <laughs> I was going to say,
1: you're really good with words. <laughs> See,
2: that's my point. It just like,
1: thanks, Elise. <laughs> slows out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Christine, I love what you said about, yes, like I wish I had this. That has been the biggest thing for Jennifer and I was, we want to ensure the next generation of artists have more than what we had when we started. We want them to not learn all of the lessons the hard way. And we also want to empower them to navigate in their own way right? Mm-hmm. We, we get told these very false narratives of the one way or the one or two ways in which you must navigate this world as an artist and it's false and it's crap. And I think Jennifer and I are two examples of thousands of journeys that are possible and we really want to give them a space to think about what's possible and to you know design their vision for their life as an artist and figure out how to make like drop in and make the decisions that are right for them. Not the decision that their professor says, not the decision that their agent or manager says, or just like the industry at large. How do you want to navigate this industry? What do you want to bring into the world as an artist? Uh,
0: Absolutely,
1: It's hard to do that. It's hard to do that alone, isolated in a room, right? But to do it in community and learn from one another and grow with one another and have a built in support system. It's doing some magical things. I can't yeah. wait to see where it's at in five years, Jennifer. I know it's wild, but it's also our know,
0: It's
2: for it's for women and non-binary folks, right? So we're basically it. It's a very, it's a specific. It's not for everyone, right? And I think right. we've done that for a reason. A because you know Elise and and myself, who who we are as individuals, we're not able to. We can't speak on behalf of all the things. And even with all of that, mm-hmm. our whole. Our whole program is designed in in that we bring in what we call trailblazers. Um, And so these are other artists in the industry who frankly know more about other things than we do. Like I could not lead a financial wellness workshop. I can't. Like I could tell you what's maybe worked for me, but that is not my expertise. That is not my field of knowledge specifically right so acknowledging between the two of us what we do know or what we are capable of teaching and then also what we might need support for ourselves in too. so it's really this like top bottom down circular uh, experience of like acknowledging that we do, we are all in, living through a bit of ambiguity and a bit of unknown and how cool is it to acknowledge like I also need support too that's why we're going to bring in these people and then it just becomes this really wonderful uplifting space where everyone is just supporting one another which is so antithetical to what has really frankly been ingrained in so many of us in institutions of like you are you are my competition and your success takes away from me you know, yeah. what, a, what, a, what a sad, sad way to be an artist that is not really, quote unquote, our fault. Like, we didn't do that. It's just been taught. It's institutionalized. It's, it's, it's given to us as this thing of like, well, if you get it, then boo on you. Whereas it's like, actually, no, your success is my success. Like, the more people like you get work, the more people like me will get work, the more work there will be for all of us, right? And this idea of abundance versus scarcity, right? We talk about a starving artist. Like, why is that? Why is that even a word that we use to associate with what it means to be a a, a thriving artist? Like, you have to be starving to do it? No. What? (laughs) You need energy. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, that's a bit more of an added part to it, but really just creating this space of support, top down, bottom up, like all of it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I mean, our industry is tough as it is. Yeah, I think it's just not worth it being alone on top of the whole toughness that's surrounding us. Yeah. So yeah. yes, definitely all up for communities. Um, <laughs> but can you tell me how you... Um, Offer your different workshop because I know you have a lot of fantastic stuff going on. And anyone's listening, you need to go to their website. It's wonderful. <laughs> I get you. lost in it. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yes. So well, the colors, the colors are. <laughs>
2: Yes. It's so funny too. Cause like those, if you asked either of us, they would never be the colors that we would pick for ourselves, which is really? so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I, I'm like a deep, like deep red, dark green, like a darker, deeper, vivid, like very intense, perhaps like deep color sphere. Whereas like Elise would probably be like bright and airy and like, wee, and it's like, you match the two of us and it's like, well, where do you come? And these colors, I think they were a wonderful little hybrid. And the website's a little labor of love. And um, I think we're very proud of it. I'll speak on behalf of both of us. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. But yeah, um, so it's kind of, again, like we started it really not knowing what it was going to become, right? It was this vision and this idea and it's grown and morphed and I would also say, you know, the two of us are constantly desiring to keep morphing it the way that it needs to, to support the community that's becoming a part of EAC, right? So um, as we keep growing, frankly, the programming has been shifting. Um, so what's, it started really as this three-month incubator program. Still kind of is a three month though. The next cohort, we'll talk more about it, but the next cohort is actually going to be a shortened incubator time over the summer, just to see how that goes. And, but it's really, it had been this three month program that began or begins with a weekend workshop in which it's really, really packed, (laughs) jam packed full of, I would say foundational conversations that will eventually continue throughout the three months. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there was by there's biweekly programming from there. So we have these community calls, which is just our cohort of individuals that builds upon some of the skills that we had talked about in the weekend workshop and also what we call art shares in that um, these cohort members can share art in process, right? So often we're taught, well, you can only share what you're working on until it's done. No, that's it's art too. When you're sitting and working on it, that's still art. The creation is art. The creation is actually beautiful. It's where so much magic happens and we, you know, What a shame that we aren't giving ourselves the opportunity to share that part and process in a supportive space, right? So we have the community shares and uh, um, community calls and art shares. And then we also uh, have panels and those are open to our Empowered artists Collective general community. So not just specifically the cohort that is a part of that three month incubator program. Um, We open them up to our community at large and they're, the conversations range, we've had them thus far um, as um, how to be a multi-hyphenate, right? Going back to what you are talking about when you have all these different hats, mm-hmm. how do you actually use that? We had artists as change makers, we had a whole artist um, health and wellness panel, right? So mental, physical, vocal, spiritual. We just, we kind of have these conversations about perhaps things that are have a stigma in the industry and we should be talking about them in a supportive space. Mm-hmm. Um, And then in addition to that, we have our community in Slack. Um, So really, even when they're in it, but also post the three-month program, they still have um, the support system, the connection between the cohort members, between each of the cohorts that are now starting to become a part of the community. I'm totally missing stuff. Oh, we put them in journey partners so that they have smaller groups within them um, so that they can continue talking and becoming a part of each other as they continue growing. Um, What else am I missing, Elise? I don't know.
1: No, I mean, I think we can. you can just sum it up as they go through this journey together. So it's a progressive journey in a small, intimate cohort in which you learn from one another, you introduce new perspectives, new experiences, new thinkings that might inform others. We always talk about how sharing is a gift to someone else. So when you have the courage to share, it may be exactly what someone else was needing to hear, right? So it's it's this group that you know we start with that weekend workshop and we move them through a journey together and we we adapt that journey based on the needs of the cohort so we really make sure that we're we're meeting the unique needs of the artists in that cohort each time which means Jennifer and I have to lean into ambiguity and ad- adapting quickly um to to the needs we're being met with which isn't that what the creative field does so, does well when it's at its best so uh yeah it's it's that and really at the end of the day it's designed to expand the circle of support is something we talk a lot about. So trailblazers Mm -hmm. from past cohorts to the current cohort become a part of each artist's circle of support. And they have the ability to reach out and engage in conversation with those trailblazers or with other past cohort members just to recognize that they're not alone. And we love, we're finding that now that we're in our third cohort, that that synergy, oh, you need to meet this trailblazer from like back in the fall or, oh, you need to meet this this artist from our first cohort. There could be some really magical, you know, magical things brewing there between the two of you. And it's it's just, you can see now all this interconnection happening between everyone as we continue to evolve and morph. So what will be next? Who knows, Jennifer and I will keep evolving as the world keeps evolving and changing and transi- transitioning Ugh, that word lately. I don't like I the know. transition word lately. And
2: it also, <laughs> it's also been so cool too, because in every single cohort, it's been international, right? Like we've had what's been so wonderful is this during this bizarre, men in many respects, unfortunate time that has actually allowed our community to expand beyond just the States, right? So we've yeah. had cohort members all across the world, which have been really, really cool to not just be like, oh, I'm isolated in my little America bubble. It's like, no, I get to learn about the arts and and other artists around the, the world. Like that's been really cool too, if I may say so myself.
0: Yeah, and no, it really, it really is. And I mean, that's the power of Zoom, isn't it? And I was actually gonna ask you, are you once we transition to some sort of normal or new normal are you going to also continue them online do you think i think we are i i mean i don't know i
2: can but at, but at the same time what has been incredible is the accessibility again to reach artists wherever they are yeah. right and i would imagine you know, zoom fatigue is real and we'll have to navigate the way in which people feel comfortable appearing in a virtual space and what those needs might be with time of how do you continue holding that space while people are now living in both worlds more regularly. Um, but I, considering again, the fact that think, people are in literally different locations around the world, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we could possibly do it as an exclusively in-person thing. Um, Perhaps there might be like random pop-ups for our community in various cities to like meet, but I don't think that there's a way for this to function the way that it currently is built, unless it is in a virtual virtual sphere.
1: Yeah, yeah I think I think it's important to note too that that word accessibility, right? Like arts education is so freaking expensive, and the fact that artists have to keep continually building on their craft and doing all—it's a lot of money. Uh, right? The muggles out there that are not in the arts industry don't understand how much money one has to invest in their life as an artist in in an industry that typically does not pay you well. So Jennifer and I are very committed to ensuring accessibility to the program, which means, I mean, almost every single artist is on a partial scholarship. We have multiple full scholarships. And so doing this virtually also, it's business. It reduces our overhead costs, right? So to do things in person, to rent space in New York City. Do you know how expensive that is? That would also be a layer of friction in us being able to create the accessible space that artists need in which we're not asking them to pay an insane amount of money like so many other programs do. So I think, it, I think virtual has so much opportunity to keep growing that way. And yeah. I really want to hug Jennifer, so I'm confident we'll also find an in-person gathering of some form somehow. Yeah. But like also Jennifer and I don't live in the same city. <laughs> right. So <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Who knows where we'll go? Who knows? Yep. <laughs> it will evolve. <laughs> it will It will evolve as, uh, you know, we will take it one month at a time. Isn't that what the last year to- taught us? One awesome. day. I would one hope. One I would
2: hope. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally one breath.
1: One breath at a time. (laughs) What would be
0: your absolute dream vision in like the next few years
1: with it?
2: Oh, wow. Ooh.
1: Ooh. I mean, I'll say this is such a beautiful question and so hard because Jennifer and I really started understanding what the need was and wanting to serve the need in the moment. And we've been staying there, wanting to serve the need in the moment. so I, I think my vision for this is like a, it's an essence and we've talked about that. It's okay. It doesn't need to be a defined, clear thing in, in one's life, but for me, it, it's that circle of support. And I, I feel like the vision is where do we go, you know, five years from now, what does that circle of support look like to, to have a circle of support through your journey day over day, month over month, year over year. I don't know. I, I I'm really excited about it. I feel this like expanse and this warmth and, and change from it I don't know how we're going to get there and I just know we'll keep meeting the need in the moment and stay grounded in that
2: I'm going to continue on that and like I think so yes to that completely I think there's been the the reason this is functioning and I think the reason it it gained traction or is still having, you know, its life force is because it's, it's so mission-based. I think Elise and I are so clear about the reason we are here. It's, we didn't come together because we wanted to like make money. Like, I will tell you that, you know what I mean? Like it's because we really believe that this is something that, that needs to be a shift in the industry period. And I think what's been, you know, people always say like, well, you're just one person. You can't make a difference. But like, really, it is this community already, the way in which these individuals are engaging with one another, having these conversations, looking deep into themselves, trying new things. Like there is a shift. And yes, perhaps it's starting really small within our small little empowered artist collective sphere, but. If we're talking five years from now and we stay in our authentic lane of why we are here and what brought us together from the get, then that will expand. And then these individuals, as they continue growing in their own art and their craft and their needs and their desires and their visions and their goals or whatever the words, these people will be going out into the world and doing incredible things, which they already are. My God, these people are so talented in our cohorts, I don't even know our trailblazers. It's wild, it's wild. But they're going to continue entering into the industry and, and using this as a foundation to hopefully continue building up more support. And ideally, you know, it's a trickle effect that's slow, but it really would hopefully impact, you know, the community, the literal general community at large. And that, again, we don't need to pin one another against each other. This is a, a supportive, in an ideal world, a supportive industry that really has each other's back because you're success is my success. And what you bring into the world, these gifts that you have is something that I can then like contribute my gifts. And then what is a thriving, beautiful med melding of ideas and, and um, humans to create what I believe is like why we do art to begin with. Right. So again, it's all really abstract, but I think as long as we're clear with like the mission and why we're here together it's only attracting those types of people who want to see that type of world and be a part of those types of spaces and by association that in
0: itself is creating that type of change that we hope to see absolutely and there's two valid points like i do i do completely agree i think it takes one person to start a change so that is great. And also living in the moment is the best thing that we can do. So the fact that you're just like growing, you're like going along in the moment and seeing what the people need then and there is just such a lovely, lovely, lovely thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess,
1: wouldn't it be amazing? And, you know, so we've had what, we're not even a year into this, we've had 38 cohort artists and over 20 trailblazers. They and closer, have my, up, upwards of 30 i think upwards of 30 trailblazers and 38 emerging artists so let's just double that i'm not going to do the math live on this podcast but double that <laughs> year over year and imagine all of those artists thriving defining their careers in the way that is rooted in who they are and their visions for their lives as artists and imagine the impact that, that will have not just on the arts industry but on you know the audiences and and the other humans that receive that you know find find a a morsel of something in one of their creations that speaks to them as a human imagine that imagine 50 times i don't know imagine 75 times five imagine all those artists out in the world thriving on their own terms that i I mean that's an that's an industry i'm excited to see and I don't know what Jennifer and I's role will continue to be in that, but we'll continue to surround them with our love and support at minimum. It's
0: powerful. It is powerful. Leading off of that, oh. is there anything that you would like to see more or less of in our industry? Oh.
2: Accountability. More mm-hmm. accountability and more transparency. Those two words have become buzzwords, but if we go back to the root of what they actually are, that is it is paramount um you know it's it's okay to have made mistakes we all make mistakes we're humans but owning what we have done or owning what we've inherited or owning owning where like where you're priv like owning all these things is fundamental to creating change right we're living in a very scary time of cancel culture as opposed to calling in and having conversation culture um you know we're we're living in a very strange time of a lot of overwhelm and, and um fear rightfully so and unknowns and that's a really hard place to exist and be and feel okay but what a way to communicate or be transparent about the ways in which you are hopefully trying to change and be more inclusive. I very much believe that in my core, those two things, if people actually lived by those ethos, what a different world we would be living in.
0: Absolutely. And I think transparency is so important. Like I'm all for that as well, especially on this podcast too, because I think it's really easy to get like this dreamy, I don't know, vision of what our industry is and what an actor or like creative director, casting director, what their lives look like. But there are ups and downs. It's natural. It's yeah. it's human. So it is only okay to, like it is okay to talk about it. There is yeah. no benefit in hiding it because it just gives a false impression and then yes. it's a ripple effect and everything. So I absolutely adore that.
1: <laughs> yes, and, and then I'll say I want less boxes. I think we're an industry right now that decides to put every individual soul into a box and we are only interested in telling the stories of a few boxes because they make money. So I'm ready for this industry to embrace intersectionality, for artists to get to define their own space within it, and for us to tell stories that actually matter and not the stories that no one needs to hear anymore. So. Yeah. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Bam. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you did it. You did do a few sentences that you, you nailed the few sentences. I'm not sure I did, but
0: you my,
1: did. I, I tried. You d- I know we, always. we, again, I, can't you tell we're just, we're two energies that balance one another very beautifully. Yin and yang. We are, but I, uh, my Saturdays are usually my day off. And so maybe my brain is like, I don't need to be concise today. I'm good. <laughs> I, I can go.
0: <laughs> I mean, I could talk for days. So you're all game.
2: <laughs> Same. Same here. If Zoom didn't try to kick us off, we'd be here till Sunday.
0: Literally for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Lovely. Love um, so let's move into the a bit of fun time section. Ooh. Um I don't know why I give these titles. I'm like, ooh.
1: <laughs> I, I I gotta tell you, I love someone who's prepared and wants the others to be prepared too. So thank you. I love yeah. your 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 titles and your sections, and it was brilliant. Thanks. <laughs>
0: um so yeah you can choose one or both so the two things were either do you have any traditions or superstitions that you have to do before a show or before a big meeting casting or do you have a funniest blooper story on stage or during rehearsals I mean, Which yes. one are you going to choose
1: yes and yes and like you got to choose both jennifer like
0: i don't, oh, I don't <laughs> actually have traditions i don't have
2: superstitions uh. I don't, I don't, I, I actually think hat like those rituals, um, because if you miss one and then you think that everything gets through, I actually don't believe in those. I think you need to be prepared and warmed up, whatever that means for you on that day. Like, I think there's a way of like checking in with yourself and you're like today, I've already walked 12 miles. I don't need to do anything physical. I'm here. And some days you're like, I just rolled out of bed and like, I might need to breathe a hair. So I don't believe in the ritual stuff for me personally, because I think it leads us down a really bad rabbit hole of if I don't do these, then, then I can't perform. So funniest blooper on stage. I have a bunch, obviously, but there's one that's like totally unprofessional, but it is what it is. I was in one of my summer stock um, shows and I love making people laugh, maybe at my own uh, professional expense. And um, there was like at the end of uh, this show, I'm supposed to come out and like lead this like orchestra of like basically the ensemble, they're like standing on the stage and I, my back is to the audience and I like lead them as the conductor. And I decided, <laughs> I, it, was, it was one of our like last shows, whatever. I decided to come out and blacken one of my teeth just because I could, knowing that no one in the audience was gonna see me except everyone on stage was. So I came out, I did my whole thing. I like, I, you know, I peered to the audience with my mouth shut. And then I like turned my body, went towards the ensemble as they were like lined up to sing a choir arrangement. And I did my little conductor move with my arm and I made a huge big smile and I had a blacked out tooth and no one was able to sing. Um, (laughs) And it was glorious. I loved it. It was amazing. Some people were obviously able to get their stuff together, but uh, many couldn't. And um, I I don't know if I got it. I don't remember if I got it. No, I don't think I did. I think, but after the fact, people were like, you were out, like, no thing. What? You know? No. And I was like, but you loved it. And they're like, okay, it was great. But like, also like, how dare you? (laughs) It's not a blooper. That was just me being irresponsible and unprofessional. But you know, here we are. It's really a time.
1: I love it. Okay. I agree with everything Jennifer said about superstitions. I will say, however, as a dancer, you, you have to warm your body up before you perform. And I always did We Didn't Start the Fire from moving out the musical. That was all I, I I don't know that I've ever prepared for some some form of dance performance without listening to We Didn't Start the Fire. It was actually the first show I saw on Broadway. It, yes, it is a musical, but it's a different kind, right? But Twilight's art brilliance. So I remember sitting in the third row and like having the dancers sweat hit my face. And I just I mean, I actually sobbed after seeing that. It just it is ingrained in my being. So I think maybe I don't know. We didn't start the fire. It's a very intense song to, to yeah. warm up to. Jennifer is like giving me all the eyes right now. But I think it I think it for me, I think it brought me back to why I why I do what I do. Brought me back to you know to the heart of the matter. So I always did that. But um, and now my now first I solo
2: heart of the matter is for my first solo in my acapella group in college. Okay, thank
1: you. That. All right, I right, love you. <laughs> um, I also now though I don't I don't perform anymore, but I do have to lean into. We all have to lean into some stuff that can make our heart race and you know feel a moment of expansion and a moment of fear all at the same time, right? I love. Um, Amy Cuddy's Science Behind Standing in Superwoman pose. So I, I actually actively do that and I find great value in it. And when I am entering a very, very sensitive stakeholder conversation in my day job, when I am entering our space, the weekend workshop, we are as nervous as every other artist entering, entering that weekend, right? Like I do, I do a superwoman pose, I ensure that my body finds expanse and stands in it in its innate power. And that helps me move forward. So I don't wouldn't call that a superstition i can maybe call it a tradition or rather a tool that helps me show up as me um and my funniest blooper i'm going to talk about i love a piano which was the last professional show i did and it was one of those where you're learning the entire show in a week's time and we had you know a final dress and i had a trumpet that was not there yet so for the first performance i had to blow into a trumpet and i had never done it before (laughs) <laughs> oh wow, oh, this is theater. I didn't know what I was doing. I did it and you're in, in the scene, you're interrupting with the trumpet. So I was like, all right, there's only one way, there's only one way through this and that's through. So I <laughs> stepped out on the stage with my trumpet and I blew and no sound came out. Oh.
2: I honestly. And, and I
1: blew again and no sound came out. And then I faked a sound with my lips, like doing them, <sighs> like, cause like the no sound out of the trumpet and i just it was so traumatizing because a it wasn't my fault i was not given the support i needed to ensure i could blow through a trumpet (laughs) and it was mortifying
2: (laughs) i thought you were gonna say that the trumpet didn't arrive and you had to go on stage and like mime the trumpet that's where i thought that this was going and honestly i'm not sure which Uh, one's worse
1: i don't know either jennifer but it was miserable i've had my hair caught in a jingle bell coat of my dance partners where i was you know (laughs) Had to be carried off stage because I was trapped on their Jingle oh. Bell Christmas. Yeah. I've had some. I had an I eyelash it was. come
2: off and droop into my <laughs> eye and I couldn't see. And I don't know really how to use, like to put on false eyelashes really well. But like I had one droop so much that I couldn't. I, my like my sight was like blurred mm. and I couldn't really see and it was spelled. On, on, anyway. Yeah. We've all we've all had.
0: We've them.
1: all had them. We They're all so had them.
0: Live theater. Yes. But it is fun, isn't it? Looking back, back magical. at that.
1: <laughs> That's
0: me. Um, and we're coming towards the end of the interview and I always have a few questions which I ask. So let's start. In your opinion what unites us as creatives? <laughs> it's a hard
2: one. <laughs> yeah and you gave us these beforehand so I should have been prepared.
1: That's fine. <laughs> I'll be honest and I'll say I've been thinking about it for days. And so it hasn't come to me very easily, which is interesting. So I'll continue to reflect on that. But to me, it has something to do. I think artists, creatives have an appetite for continuous growth and self-awareness, have maybe an appetite to better understand the world around us, which is not actually all beings. They aren't always leading with curiosity and, you know, eager to understand more. But then I think at the heart of it, we want to bring that those learnings, those feelings, those understandings to other people. That's as far as I've gotten. Yeah, it's (laughs) such a hard one. (laughs) It's it's a really, really good
2: question because I actually feel like this question will continuously change for me, honestly. Because if I think about a version of myself earlier, I think where I was drawn to working with certain creatives or artists, it was a very different reason than maybe why I would be now, um, which I think is just a testament to like being open to growing and seeing how one changes and the way in which one is more curious about certain things. Curiosity definitely will always be a through line for myself as well. I'm all, I'm a very, very, very curious human being literally across the board in my life. And I mean, I literally have a degree in philosophy as in like, I I love asking these things that are kind of ambiguous and not really having the answers, but like, I love living in that space. And I'm so yes, curiosity. I I love that at least, but also, I don't know right now the I think it's like the unknown. Like, I really do think what's uniting, what unites, what can be a uniting factor for creatives is being willing to live in this idea of unknown and what can come as you throw yourself into that. Yeah. What can happen when you do not know what is going to happen? The, the glorious things that come from those types of rooms and experiences when there's a lack of fear or there's all the fear and you do it anyway. Right. But like the abandonment of knowing really allows you to fully kind of just enter in full abandon. And I think there's something really beautiful about that, that we are really lacking at the moment in our arts industry, where everything has to be so clocked out, frankly, for financial reasons. But if it wasn't, what could we
1: achieve?
0: Yeah, those are beautiful answers. And it is an ever-changing and ever-growing question. That's why it's fun. (laughs) Mm Yeah.
1: It's a really um, good question. Well done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 20
0: points. I'm going
1: to yes. keep thinking on it and we'll maybe reconvene a year from now. To see how truly. the answers
2: have changed. Truly, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I'm going to this, yeah, listen to this podcast again and be like, wow, I said that. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Well,
0: reflection time.
1: <laughs> yeah, truly. Truly.
0: Um, and this is my favorite question, but it is tough as well. What makes you unique as creatives?
1: It's a little mm. self-love moment. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. This is the journey I've been on in the last, and Jennifer knows in the last year, several years, is embracing who I am as a creative now because I'm not performing anymore. So, right, like it. that's that's not yeah. who I am. That's not what I want to do anymore. So really defining that for myself has been a journey and I'll just say I'm in the middle of it because we like to teach people that if they're not performing for a career, they're not, they're not. So, um. So what makes me unique, I guess, is that I've I'm carving my own path and it doesn't look like anyone else's I know. (laughs) And that's as far as I got. (laughs) Yeah. That's beautiful though.
2: Oh God. Um, You can do it,
1: Jennifer. You can do it. We believe in (laughs) you. One sentence. it's just
0: it's
2: all no uh, (laughs) it's also one it's a really wonderful question because I again feel like this will continue and has continued to morph right like what it's again like what I thought made me unique was perhaps something that was told to me from like institutions and teachers of like this is what makes you unique and then I was like oh yeah that's what makes me unique and it's like when you sit on it and you begin to be like wait do I like even what that is or do I even resonate with what you're telling me you you think I am is very different than who I actually am right and so what makes me unique as a creative is I'm really learning to lean into accepting and acknowledging and frankly owning which I have but really doing it that I am who I am unapologetically Um, And I know that doesn't make me unique as a creative, but I do, I am frankly only interested, really, it's a hard thing to say, but I'm really only interested in being in rooms with people who are also wanting to be themselves. And we are so often taught, told, Whatever that we can't be ourselves, (laughs) or we have to become these other things in order to work. And I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm interested Mm. in learning what makes me me. And I am a passionate, highly sensitive, perhaps a little intimidating, only because I know who I am, which is intimidating to other people, like confident, mostly, (laughs) um, you know, empowered, sometimes driven, perceptive, honest transparent, communicative woman, um, which is really something that many people are afraid of. Um, And so how do I grapple with my own identity in a world that is not ready to receive all of that? Unclear. But I think those are some things that perhaps make me unique. But also, I think everybody has that. People just don't choose to
1: live and lean into what they are. Mm. Perhaps we're all unique when we just lean into who we actually are because we all have something that cannot be replicated our own I don't even think perhaps it, it is period yes, every period. single person is unique <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> period yeah, I, I, I snuck it in there and then bam no yes <laughs> but that's what I mean right like I it's know, like that's,
0: <laughs> yeah and, uh, no we, we absolutely all are unique and just one little point that you said as well We have the power to choose who we surround ourselves with. And it's something we learned this year, especially. So I think that's really important to take on into the world as well, because we can control that. That's you literally like that is one of my like life ethos, which is
2: you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yes. Right? You probably know this phrase, but like, I live and breathe by that. And it's a really wonderful way, terrifying way, sad way to like clean up shop and really take, you know, inventory of who you are surrounding yourself mm-hmm. with, because sometimes we don't have the, you know, the option for many of it, but you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. Like absolutely. let that one sink in. Think about those five people in your life and just sit. Just sit.
0: Yeah. Time with, not the people you like, the time with. Like,
1: ooh, ooh, ooh
0: that's the homework for our listeners today
2: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly we sent you off with some work
0: Everyone, go do it reflect and get back. <laughs> <with us. laughs> I love it oh God. do you have any last comments I hate saying it this way but anything that you would say or want to tell the listeners before we say our goodbyes today
2: I guess for me, it's, you know, if you are craving community, if you are craving finding a space where you can be your true self or discover who you are or take some time to be in the mess and the ambiguity of learning Who you are and what makes you tick as a human and an artist, whether you are working or not, you are an artist, but in that time and in in that space, if you are curious about that, I really encourage you to come check us out, Um, whether it's to, you know, be a part of our actual cohort incubator program, or even just to pop in on these panels that are open to our general community. Once you're in, you're in, Um, and the goal is to surround you with a circle of support. So if you're craving any sort of community, especially in these wild times, wherever you are in the world, (laughs) we're here. That is truly why we exist. And so this is an invitation um, for your curiosity to come and see and explore who we are, reach out, send a note, become a part of it, and um, we'd love to see you there. That's what I want to share.
1: I love that. Well, I'll let you share that on EAC because that was what I, what I was going to say. So then I will just say, I feel like we're all embracing a time of transition and what is next. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm hearing in the EAC community and in my Motivated Movers community, just a lot of struggle with that word. So I'll just offer what's working for me, which is to tune out the world to drop in and listen to myself and trust that I will have the answers and no one else will have the answer for me. And that can be really hard to do, but I think that's a lesson we've all been able to work on over the course of the pandemic and let's carry it with us forward. Tune out the noise of what everyone else is saying, drop into your own being, your own body and see what it says. Wonderful. We'll we'll find what's next. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely
0: teamwork is dream work But <laughs>
1: yes,
0: mm-hmm. well, those are two lovely lovely points to end on and thank you so much and for everyone listening we are going to link everything on the little promo on instagram as always and definitely check them out because i mean i've only had you for an hour and your energy i'm just like <laughs> so uplifted so everyone has thank to you. check you out either way um thank you thank, thank you for having fun. us too this is thank
2: i you. mean the coolest part about these things is, like when else could we have met you? You know what I, I know. mean? Like, this is wild. I love this so much. And I like, I wish I could give you a real life hug too. You know what I mean? Soon. Like, you also have <laughs> such a wonderful energy. And thank you for creating a platform through which you're bringing other artists and people in the industry and accessibility for people to have these conversations and listen in and hearing these different perspectives. Like, what a wonderful thing. So thank you for all that you're doing as well. Thank and, you.
1: That means and a lot. thank you. Thank you for asking hard questions. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> You ask, I love really, that. <laughs> you ask really big ambiguous heart of the matter style questions and i think that's really beautiful so keep doing that thank You're
0: you right. yes <laughs> thank you thanks for having us yeah. virtual ahead uh. and just like that season three has come to an end i hope you have enjoyed listening to this empowering episode At this point, I would like to say a big thank you to all the lovely creatives that came on and shared their stories. Also, a big shout out to all you gorgeous listeners and supporters out there. The growth of this podcast would not be possible without you. Make sure to stay tuned and keep up to date for further exciting announcements coming your way this summer season. Till then, remember to keep smiling, stay safe, happy, healthy and positive. Lots of love, Christiana. We'll